0: restaurants unstoppable episode 641 with greg scheinman there's this belief that it's the operator
1: against in a way the carrier or the insurance company but really you can be very well aligned and the carriers have tremendous resources to help you run a safer establishment and that's what you want that's the most cost-effective way to run a business are you ready for it factors success stories
0: It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Stoppable when your employees are empowered to speak up internally you can stay one step ahead of costly issues that can tarnish your brand before they become larger public problems ethics suite is the first employee incident reporting platform developed to be fully customizable for every industry including the restaurant industry. Unethical workplace behavior is a threat. It's time to protect your business with an incident reporting system. Find out why Ethics Suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for the restaurant industry at com slash restaurant unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Greg Scheiman. Greg, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I am. Just came off a week uh week in california feeling good got in late
0: last night and uh ready to rock and roll i love it great to hear so who are we talking to Greg great shyman he's an ins group partner in uh property and casualty insurance specialists focusing on middle market companies in a variety of industries with a particular focus in hospitality, retail, and the fitness industry. As a matter of fact, you have some of our clients, or some of your clients are my past guests. I love to see uh, a track record of successful people working together. That makes me really trust you. So I'm happy to see that. And on top of all this, you host your own podcast, The Midlife Male, uh, where you kind of just give life advice to men who are in the midlife point of their life going through whatever midlife males go through i'm not quite there yet but i have a lot to look forward to i would I'd imagine <laughs>
1: yeah we're all just trying to figure it out aren't we <laughs> right now
0: so. so make sure you go check out that podcast if you're a, a midlife male looking for some guidance and uh we'd like to start every episode off with a success quote or mantra so what do you got for us a couple that, that come to mind um you know one is the harder i
1: work the luckier i get and i've always found that to be true when i'm really putting in the work and given it 100%, good things seem to seem to follow. Yeah,
0: I don't believe in luck. I really don't. I mean, good things happen to good people. And the better you are, the more positive energy you put out there, the more uh, impactful things you do to others, it comes back some way somehow. I actually just had Johnny Caraba on the show. Yeah. And he, this was something that was huge in his life. He's just always looking, always looking to give and to be of value to other people. And whenever there was a huge jump in his career in his life, it was because of somebody that he took care of coming around to take care of him. And it's just amazing. Uh, like even the Carabas Italian Grill, that the franchise, somebody in like Maryland or something knew about their dining experience. And it was that dining experience that reverted back, like that directed the, the franchise blooming brands, go check out, uh, Johnny Carabas in Houston, Texas. And it would have never happened if you didn't have that mentality of just taking care of other people.
1: Look, I love it. I think it's a service. It's a service mentality. Um, it's one of the things I love about this business too, of being an agent, which is you are representing people. Yeah. You are protecting people. Uh, these businesses, these restaurants that we're talking about, and these other clients that you've had on your show, and your show is amazing, um, Thank you. and I love listening to it, but I just get so pumped up listening to these stories of these entrepreneurs and chefs and restaurateurs that are out there putting their, their blood, their sweat, their tears, their money into these businesses, and it's a really big, it's a great privilege to represent these types of people. And I can it's, only imagine. It's their in most cases it's really it's their largest investment it's their livelihood it's their it's their baby, yeah, and it's a big responsibility to take care of it. It's one to take really seriously and but when you get to know these people and the story and the passion and everything behind it, it makes the food taste better you know it makes representing them feel better I bet. and yeah it's we're we're real lucky here,
0: yeah so um Today, we're here to talk about insurance, the different types of insurances that are out there, the different types of insurance you should consider if you're looking to open a restaurant, what to know about finding a broker. There's going to be a lot of things we're going to cover today, but before we really dive into today's topic with just being like a crash course in insurance, I want to learn more about you, uh, who you are, and what makes you a specialist in insurance.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. Thank you. One, I I grew up in restaurants, so I grew up obviously eating in restaurants, but also uh, through the, through high school and into college, I worked in restaurants. From the back of house to front of house, I started washing dishes, worked my way as, up and to be a waiter, then to become a bartender, then to become a host, bartended and waited tables even in college. I think everybody should work in the restaurant Absolutely. business at some point in their life. And then Professionally, when we moved – my wife and I moved down to Texas, which is going on 17 years at this point, um, what was happening in in the restaurant industry down here that was really interesting. uh, It was emerging. There were more chefs that were getting great publicity, new operators and owners that were opening multiple establishments. And when I looked at risk management and insurance and started – the kind of nice thing is you can insure anything. So let's look at what I really love to do. I mean, love we'll to eat, drink, and work out. So if you can eat it, drink it, work out with it, I said that's the stuff that I really want to insure, and those are the types of people I want to work with. And I went kind of headfirst into that. How much can I learn about the business? How much could I learn about protecting the industry? Which insurance companies, carriers, policy forms really address the issues better? I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna really work to specialize and become. As much of an expert in that field as I can possibly be, and become a resource to these people, because I can't cook.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it take to be considered a specialist in the world of uh, insurance and being an insurance broker in the hospitality vertical?
1: So that's a gr- that's a great question because a lot of times what you see is everyone's a specialist when you come to them asking about a yeah. particular thing. Oh, yeah, I do restaurants. Oh, yeah, I do oil and gas. Oh, yeah, I'm a specialist in that. So it's, it's a great question. I love that you asked for it. I think what you really have to do as a consumer, and my biggest goal is can I make our clients better consumers of insurance products? Can we educate them? And this hits the nail right on the head. You really need to ask beyond saying to somebody, do you insure restaurants? Well, which restaurants do you insure? Which insurance companies do you work with? What is your process on reducing cost of risk? How would you approach insuring my restaurant? Why should I choose you? Yeah. A lot of times you hear, I need a quote. Well, what's behind the quote? Who is behind the quote? What does it involve in there? How is that person actually really representing you in your best interests? Or is it? the only piece of paper or policy form that they have to offer you. So it might be the best that they have, but it may not be the best available.
0: Yeah. Or the best for you in your particular specific unique situation, which is something that I, in my research for this conversation learned about that each case can be different, you know, there's so many variables that come into play when trying to figure out what what insurance is right for you, which we'll get into. So we'll put mm-hmm. that in the back burner for now. So anything else you want to share with us before we dive right into the the, the today's content? Really pulling back the layers on insurance. Let's let's get right to it, man. All right. So what we're gonna start doing here is just actually before we get into it. I'm going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservation. Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google search or Google Maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as twenty-five percent. To learn more about how cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can save seven hundred and fifty dollars off activation for cake point of sale. But you have to use my links again. That's trycake.com slash unstoppable. We're back and Okay, we have 10 elements. Uh, I don't know if I'm using the right terms here, but 10 types of insurance, 10 forms of insurance that you should have in your package to really be well-rounded and protecting yourself as fully as possible. So why don't we start at the top? Um, The the first thing we have on the list is uh, commercial and general liability insurance. Get into that and what that is.
1: Yeah, so one, you did your homework. (laughs) 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 which is super cool. So often the very first thing we see Especially from new owners and operators, is the first thing they've they've signed a lease. So as soon as they sign their lease, they are now committed. And their landlord hands them the copy of the lease, and there's an insurance section in the lease. And what we get is, I need a quote, and here's exactly what I need. And it typically involves exactly that it's liability, commercial liability insurance. The landlord property owner will insure the property. He has the responsibility for insuring the building Mm -hmm. probably pass that along to you in your rent you know somewhere (laughs) in in there overall but you as the as the tenant are now responsible for the liability insurance to protect the landlord so it's an area to be cognizant of really cognizant of because what the landlord is really asking you is he's saying you go out and you buy insurance and you put me ahead of you i'm going to use your insurance so if anybody slips and falls Hurts themselves, a liability claim is what they call a third party claim. First party being uh, property damage, physical damage, liability being a third party claim, meaning something you're liable for and you could be sued for it. The landlord is saying, hey, you got to go buy this and you got to put me in front of you overall.
0: So it kind of sounds like the landlord is kind of using you as a human insurance shield.
1: That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. And what we say to our clients is that we represent you, the client. And not only do you need to be in compliance with this because that's what you're now required to do based on the lease that you signed overall, but we have to also figure out how we protect you as well. Because what happens is, what happens if you finish protecting him and there's nothing left over for you? Not, not much happens after that. So,
0: starting a new career maybe? <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's something that, that can happen. So when you're selecting limits and when you're – saying I need a certificate and I need to name somebody as an additional insured or an additional named insured, that has meaning behind just typing that other person's name or their entity on that certificate. You're actually putting millions of dollars of coverage on them in front of yourself at times. So we do ask if we can get involved prior to leases being signed. We can help review those contracts and review those leases from an insurable interest standpoint making sure what's being asked for is reasonable, making sure it can be delivered the proper way, and that we know what to actually help you get in terms of coverage once you execute the lease. But we do see a lot after the leases have been executed, and now it's a, we got to rush to get coverage in place, and this is what we already contractually agreed to.
0: Yeah, one other element that I, I... Picked up on my research uh, regarding the commercial and general liability insurance is that it allows you to continue to operate while claims are being settled. Um, Is that something you touched on that I missed? Didn't touch on it yet, and and it's a good pickup, which is in these
1: instances when you're talking about liability claims, and you can can get into the physical claims. I don't need to get ahead of you. Yeah, uh, but what happens is defense costs. A liability claim typically is is somebody is at fault. So there has to be a suit. There has to be a claim going on. And one of those areas that you're touching on relates to defense costs and whether those defense costs may be inside or outside the limits or included or not included. It's expensive Mm -hmm. to, to represent yourself even against something frivolous. So whereas defense costs being inside the limits could cost you less money, less premium, Mm-hmm. What happens is if you have a million dollar limit, let's just do a little math here. You have a million dollar limit. It costs you five hundred thousand dollars to defend yourself. The judgment is four million dollars. Well, you're out a half a million dollars now yeah. because you don't have the full million dollar limit left because you ate it up paying the attorneys mm. out of there. If you get it outside the limits, it may cost you more. It will cost you more premium in the policy, but your legal expenses do not deplete the amount of, of limit that you have to pay that claim. Gotcha. Honestly. So there are, we, we can geek out on all of this stuff. <laughs> We're going to um, try and, to stay as surface yeah, level as possible exactly. for today. But, but those are the things when it comes to selecting, when you asked your very first question you know, there, when it comes to selecting an agent, selecting a broker, or who might be a true specialist or have greater expertise and experience in the field, those are some of the things that, that come up.
0: Okay. So just a, a big overarching summary of that. Uh, the big takeaway for me is that the uh, commercial and general liabilities insurance is basically the minimum uh, amount of insurance that your landlord is making you get to get the lease. And that's really just ultimately protecting the landlord. And um, maybe do you get some protection from that, too? You do.
1: I mean, look, it sits over. All, yeah. it, it will sit over, you know, the the exposures of your of your restaurant. Uh but if that landlord again gets named in yeah. the suit or brought in, they they're eating off your coverage. Nobody. Yeah. And
0: this is your most baker- basic coverage, like bodily in- uh, injury, uh, physical injury, property damage, things of that nature. Um, is that a good mm-hmm. brief summary? So the next uh, insurance that we're going to cover, and these two, these first two insurances, uh, I've been told are the two major. So the first one being uh, commercial and general liability insurance when. O- and the second one being workers compensation insurance and those are the two major insurances that i've been told or i've reached that that every restaurant should have do you agree with that or is there i'll let you kind of
1: i think there's several that are major and they're categorically categorically major, if I, if I said that properly. Um, and work comp is definitely one of those two. And when you talk about workers' compensation insurance, you have states that require it, mm-hmm. and you have states that do not require it. Okay. That being said, what you're talking about here is any work-related injury that would be... Any work-related injury, anything that happens on the job would be covered under workers' compensation insurance. And there are some It's a very cost-effective coverage. It's a risky business that we're talking about here in hospitality and restaurants. And you're also addressing liability issues, Mm -hmm. meaning that if you carry workers' compensation, it is no-fault coverage. It is going to cover those employees, help get them back to work, fix them, compensate them, so on and so forth, without you having a liability exposure also. If you do not cover carry workers' comp something happens to an employee, you open yourself up again to that type of
0: lawsuit. Okay. The, the way I like to think of this category, this uh, form of insurance, workers' compensation insurance, it's win-win insurance. It's a win for the employees because you can help them get back to work faster, and it's a win for the owner because you're covering your liabilities. It absolutely is. And there's a third win that I think comes in there, which is safety and loss control. Win-win-win situations yes. are always better. <laughs> safety and loss
1: control – is a great way to run. What, what do insurance companies want? What do they want? They want to insure the best operators out there. They want to. They want to basically cover people who are not going to have claims. So how do they do that? They look for best in class safety, loss control. They will come in. They will inspect. They will provide recommendations. A lot of the times that there's there's this belief that it's the operator against in a way the carrier or the insurance company, but really. You can be very well aligned, and the carriers have tremendous resources to help you run a safer establishment, and that's what you want. That's the most cost-effective way to run a business, is to reduce your cost of risk by running the safest, most most risk-free or risk-averse place you can.
0: Got it. So the two we've covered so far, again, it's a quick summary, uh, commercial and general liabilities insurance and workman's compensation insurance. Now we're getting into some of the more com- like add-ons or uh i don't know how how would you describe the the, the following insurances were,
1: You kind of put them a little bit into a package that's okay. that's exactly the right word where you've got your liability you've got your property long times you sign your lease now you're doing your renovations you're putting the tables the chairs in you're doing your build out so you've got your improvements and betterments they call it, and that's on the property side so if there were to be a fire mm, or A tree came through the belt, physical damage in there. You've got your workers' compensation, which takes care of your employees, as you you mentioned there. And one thing that comes up a lot is business income, which is if you happen to suffer a loss and you're out of business for any extended period of time, what do you really need as an operator? You need money you need money to get the place rebuilt, reopened and during that time you still have to pay your rent, still have to pay your insurance, still have to pay some of your your key staff and everything. So business income comes up. Does this a also lot.
0: come up as or is that another name for this business interruption insurance? Correct. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh just That's what- Get into that a little bit deeper to paint the picture of what the business interruption income is.
1: Yeah. So think of
0: business interruption insurance. Yep. So you can you can call it business interruption,
1: you can call it business income. What you're really talking about is that you had an interruption in your operations, meaning your restaurant was open yesterday and it's not open today, and it's not going to be open for let's say it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be six months due to some type of covered peril, some type of covered loss in there. And business income or business interruption is designed to make you whole during that period of time. So you can select a limit. You can work with your broker or your agent to select the appropriate business income or business interruption limit. Or there's an option for what they call actual loss sustained. You do the accounting and figure what did you actually lose? What does the insurance company have to pay you? and that's your protection against that against that interruption again Hope it never happens to anybody, but if the restaurant burned down,
0: how long would it take? So we're talking like mayhem, almost. Like if the restaurant were to burn down, or if there were a hurricane, would that be an example? Absolutely. Or what if if you get sick? What if you have cancer? You're like you're not fit to work, or I mean, you got to like pass it on to somebody else or something.
1: So those are insurable instances. We're going to get deeper into the weeds on specific things like that. Whether it's key man, key person, you know, type insurance or. Very chef driven place that relies maybe on one person's name or one person in the kitchen. You can get into stuff like that, too. Uh, but business income, business interruption is more of a the restaurant was open and now it's closed. Gotcha. And it's closed for a duration. And we have to insure against that.
0: OK, the next insurance I have on the list is property and casualty insurance. Get into that.
1: Property and casualty is kind of the overview of, of a lot of what we talked about. So under P&C, property and casualty, you are talking about your your property. You are talking about your liability. You're talking about auto, workers' comp. All of those things fall under the property and casualty platform. Um, one thing we didn't touch on just yet, which comes up in these packages, auto coverage, Um whether you own autos that are being utilized for your business, maybe for catering, for delivery, whatnot, um, or you've got just a a van that's running things back and forth between multiple locations that Mm -hmm. you may have. So that's an actual auto policy. That one's pretty easy for people to go, okay, I own a vehicle and I have a car. I need to insure that or a van. What comes up quite frequently is when they don't. When they don't have an owned auto, But yet they have employees or they themselves are using their personal automobiles for business. So if you send your chef, you send your GM in their own car to the bank to go make a deposit or you're out of bread or short lemons and, oh, shit. Like that never happens. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's called hired and non-owned auto. Those are cars that are being utilized by employees or people for the purpose of of, of doing business. That need to be covered because that employee, that person would not be on the road getting into that potential accident if they weren't working for your restaurant or for you at
0: that time. How much is that type of, I mean, maybe, oh, we'll hold off on asking mm-hmm. rates because I don't want to get, that's a whole other can of worms to mm-hmm. open. Um, another type or element of insurance that we have not covered, which is huge, is the third party alcohol liability insurance. Uh, do you want to get into that?
1: Yeah, look liquor, liquor is <laughs> expensive. Um, it's expensive for us to buy and consume, um, and it's it's expensive to insure in there too, and that is – it is liability. So again, looking at safety, loss control, looking at risk management techniques that you could do to – that you could have your staff being further educated, standards and practices that you're doing can help mitigate that risk and reduce it. That's what you want, which can help drive, drive your costs down but liquor liability is a serious uh it's a serious expense and it's a serious coverage because uh you've got an exposure there you're serving alcohol people leave your establishment under whatever degree of inebriation they may be and anything can happen at that time and we see this with people going to multiple establishments in any given evening um and who and everybody gets drawn into to the suit when something goes wrong.
0: Yeah. And um depending on what state you're in, I mean you could be totally liable as the restaurant owner for serving that person. So yeah that person gets in a car accident and they take out somebody's mailbox, you could have to replace that mailbox. You know, let's hope it's only a mailbox, right? Um Physical damage
1: is always easier and no, it not it's not good. It's always easier and cleaner then, liability, we know what a mailbox costs, yeah, we know what it costs to replace a roof, even a car if the auto is totaled on the liability side, when you have damaged you know, death injury significant injury, liability issues like that, extremely expensive. you know yeah. what those settlements can go for
0: so this third party i 'll call liability insurance is basically uh insurance that was formed specifically for the dram laws or dram shop laws?
1: Yeah, so dram, you know, dram shop is a little bit more of an antiquated term. Now now they just really call it liquor liability yeah. overall and what you're looking at is you're looking at, okay, how many, They they base it a lot of times on sales that's yeah. in there which is how many, the higher the sales, obviously the more alcohol you're selling mm-hmm. and we can get into again, we can, Geek out on whether or not it's a hundred dollar bottle of wine or a hundred shots at a dollar, you know, yeah. <laughs> of tequila in but it's, there. But it's
0: a percentage that they're looking at. right? What percentage of your total revenue is alcohol?
1: Yes. So you're looking at splits there too, food and alcohol, and the, what the breakdown is, which helps classify you in there. You're looking at the overall volume of alcohol, what type of establishment, and you're throwing all these kind of all this risk criteria into into the pot, and the underwriters are saying, okay, how do we rate for this? And what you really want. And in your, in your agent and in your insurance is you want the lowest cost of risk possible in there. So you are trying to get the, your liquor rate as low as possible, and you're negotiating for that based upon what you do, how safely you operate, how long you've been in business, which insurance companies are vying for your business and like it, and you're trying to, you're trying to negotiate for the lowest possible rates you can with the broadest coverage.
0: Okay. Anything else that's worth mentioning in third-party alcohol liability insurance before moving on to the next? Let's, let's jump to it. So the next one I have on my list is Employment Practices Liability Insurance, E-P-L-I.
1: Yes. Um, so this is becoming very prominent. Unfortunately. Yes. Like a lot of this, again, <laughs> <Yeah>. unfortunately. <laughs> that seems to be a word that surrounds <laughs> yeah. a lot of it. Again, hopefully you never have to use any of this, but in the event you need any of these coverages, you want them to perform as expected. That's where the devil is in the details, Mm -hmm. in there. It's not worth anything until it's worth something.
0: You don't need it until you need it. Correct, (laughs) exactly.
1: So we want it to be very much worth the paper that it's printed on, and you want the service, you want the response, you want the claim support, everything else. We can get into that stuff later. But EPLI, specifically, you're talking about wrongful termination, you're talking about discrimination, you're talking about sexual harassment, and these things are becoming far more prevalent and common in in the restaurant world in all businesses actually in all businesses but particularly in restaurants and hospitality businesses i didn't get that shift because of this or i was let go because of this um it could be appearance again it could be rate it could be weight gain it could be almost any reason unfortunately anybody can really sue anybody for anything mm. at this point and now you're back to defense costs and how you insure against those types of things so employment practices liability is something we recommend heavily um, typically again your cost per thousand is not that high compared to the amount of coverage that it actually provides for you
0: Yeah, and this is the debate Yep. Yeah. and the one thing we didn't get too much into um, with each one of these types of insurance is things that we can do as a restaurateur uh, to get the best rate um, things that we can do in our business. And I know some things we can do uh, is like we're having for specifically related to EPLI or employment uh, practices, liability insurance is having like a, a handbook of, you know, your uh, protocols and your policies and clearly stating that this is how we do things. So if uh, an employee does breach the agreement, you're protecting yourself. Do you want to add on to that?
1: Absolutely. It's a, it's a great point. Again, what do insurance companies and underwriters look for? They look for best-in-class operators. They look for those who are going to be running a safe establishment. And that includes how they treat their employees, obviously, on this. And a lot of times, people get all stressed out about, I don't know how to write a handbook. I don't know how to do Well, that, again, is what a good agent can help you do Mm -hmm. and what a good insurance company and carrier can help you do. They are willing to come out and help you write that. Because again, what do they want? They want you operating the right way. They're comfortable with the risk provided you do this, 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 and this, and they will give you the roadmap Mm -hmm. to actually help to do that too. So those types of handbooks back to again, safety and loss control back to how do we operate? What is the purpose process payoff of each Of everything we do in this business, from how we wash the produce when it comes in, everything has a process. And the better the process that's there, the more comfortable the underwriters are, the the greater you're going to drive down your cost. And this
0: is a great opportunity to give one of my sponsors a plug right now. Uh, Ethics Suite is a great resource to anonymously report misconduct and uh, fraud or anything along those lines. So it's a system that's already been created that you can just implement into your business. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's portions of it that are absolutely free. So it's definitely worth checking out. Again, that's com. Their banners are in the show notes. Go check them out if you're looking to improve your uh, processes around uh, misconduct and whatever the bad stuff you want to... <laughs> there's <laughs> too many words for it. But um, anything else that's worth covering there before moving on to the it's next really one?
1: It's really just... A lot of this just comes back to conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Find somebody you're comfortable also working with. Find somebody that you can have these conversations with. You don't know what you don't know, but ask the questions the right person that you're working with will help to point out and ask you a lot of questions that will bring these things to light and then you can figure out how to structure and design your program around what you truly need
0: yeah and i think we'll that we're going to get into that when we start talking about how like the you know why looking for a broker is important and when to look for a broker and when to start thinking about insurance but we have i think your point least,
1: was to get out in front of it, though. Also, you know, the lot is don't yeah. wait until it happens or you get yeah. an
0: accusation
1: to then say, "Then we're going to try to put the coverage in, pl- in place." Exactly. In place, then it really, to your point, get get out in front of this stuff.
0: So we have a couple more elements that you should consider for your insurance. Uh, we're just going to go through real quick. One is HNOA, uh, flood, cyber, active shooting, That's another one. Um, and then you also want to talk about insurance and general contractors, what we need to know there. So why don't you just rifle through those real quick?
1: Yeah, we touched on uh, hired and non-owned auto a little bit earlier, which is if you just don't own a vehicle for your business, right, right. but you've got employees using them. So, so we've touched on that and the importance of that, so we can, we can move through that. We do see a lot and work with a lot of contractors along with a lot of restaurant restaurateurs and, and operators there, and you get into situations where they're not sure who's responsible for what. We've hired the contractor. We're building the place out. We're spending X number of dollars on it. Is this covered under his builder, under the contractor's builder's risk? Am I, what am I responsible for on a Y-Boost? Kind of the the left hand really needs to know what the right hand is doing Mm -hmm. there too. Um, So I would, again, I would advise to anybody that is embarking on a construction project to have their agent review the builder's risk policy from the contractor to match up what the builder's risk policy is doing, what it's responsible for, and what your own coverage is responsible for and what you are. Because again, devil being in the details, if you're the restaurant owner and you're buying the $100,000 oven, stove, grill, whatever it may be, and it's showing up on the construction site and the contractor does not have to install it for another two months because he's working on everything else is it yours or is it his yeah and they drop a thousand
0: pounds on it with a crane you know who's responsible for that
1: exactly whose care custody and control are these things in and who's responsible for what
0: got you Uh, the other thing I think is worth bringing up too which we talked which was listed as flood and I think that's really important because I I feel like a lot of people would assume that falls under property and casualty insurance but it doesn't I mean well it falls under property and casualty as,
1: as kind of the The type of coverage that's there. But flood is excluded in pretty much all policies (laughs) unless you buy flood separately on its own. So you see this happen, especially in Houston, Mm -hmm. when you've got massive flooding. And there are a lot of people out there that turn to their insurance companies or their policies thinking, I have business income or business interruption. I have this coverage or I have insurance which is kind of a cover-all word, like, oh, I have insurance. But if you don't have the right insurance, yeah. you really don't. And flood is definitely one of those areas where um, you see people, we didn't buy it because we weren't in a flood zone, we've never flooded before, We didn't, and they don't carry flood coverage. And when that flood damage happens, their coverage isn't th- isn't there because the flood coverage that they needed to have would trigger the other coverage, or the flood coverage was came came first because flood as the peril was excluded. So we saw a lot of that during Harvey. Uh,
0: yeah, so that, that yeah. kind of brings up. I mean, we we have this ability nowadays to peer into the future almost with the, all these like weather forecasting. If we have a really bad storm forecasted and we're like, crap, we don't have flood insurance. Can you get flood insurance like five days before storm hits and be covered?
1: That is an awesome question. Okay. <laughs> Because
0: So keep in mind, look,
1: if we could predict the future and when something was going to happen, that's exactly when people would want to put coverage in place, (laughs) right? Like right before. So what ends up happening a lot is because you see the storm coming in, the weathermen go out, meteorologists go out there, they start talking about this stuff. Well, what happens is the carriers put on a moratorium. They shut it down. They say, no, we're not writing any more new business now until this passes. Okay. So you have seasons and you have windows of opportunity where you can put this in place. And then you have times when sorry, you have those old crap moments and yeah. you cross your fingers and go, I didn't purchase it at the time and I cannot purchase it now until
0: so that's a good point. hurricane right, but, season yeah. is over. You did pick up a really good point that if you're really looking to pinch your pennies and you want to be proactive with your insurance, you can do seasonal insurance. If you're... In an area that is that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of making assumptions now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not the expert.
1: Well, you're not really turning it on and off, you know, but what you're really talking about is you're, you're purchasing on an annual basis. But the, the reason these policies have end dates or renewal dates, as people know, is so that the carriers really can decide whether they want to stay on or they want to get off okay. based on it there. So that's why they have these renewal dates on the policy. But in general, insurance is a contract of adhesion. Which okay. is you pay your premium, we keep the coverage in force. Got gotcha. so you pay your premium every month, the coverage is the coverage is enforced, you stop paying your premiums, you get that legal notice of cancellation saying, Hey, we're gonna cancel you if you don't pay within X amount of times. Okay. If they cancel you for non payment, you just don't have the coverage in there. But when it comes to the renewal dates, it's for the carrier to go back and revisit the risk and say, was this a good risk for us? Was this a good year for us? What are we going to do with the rates? Keep you, renew you, lower them, raise them, drop you for claims. That's what those renewal dates are really there for. So getting ahead of that 90 to 120 days out is, a, is really good advice.
0: Got you. So the only two elements we have not hit on yet that is on our list is uh, cyber and active shooter.
1: We'll start with cyber, <laughs> please.
0: <laughs> we'll start
1: with cyber, and again, just like EPLI, um, we are seeing more and more cyber claims and cyber risks. Uh, and you're just just a gen- you're just reading about them every day. I mean, companies are getting hacked, and cyber risks could be anything from hacking, you know, to it could be knocking out your POS system. It could be could be could be your bookkeeper could be your books could be anything related to computer cyber type crime or a claim that comes up there
0: what about like cyber bullying does that come into it is that fall into under the uh, employment practice liability insurance where you know it might it might spill over into the cyber world like this harassment that's going on it could um and that's a great question and every policy
1: is written differently so you'd have to really dig into that and kind of define it in terms of, okay, is it, is it employee to employee? Is it manager to employee? And is it cyber uh, or is it general EPL, regardless under of the, the format roof, yeah. of how they're doing it, uh, what does it fall under Okay, in there?
0: Interesting. And unfortunately, uh, this new form of insurance that's emerging, which is blows my mind, this is actually a thing, is active shooter insurance.
1: It's super unfortunate. And to stay away from the the political aspect of it uh, and just go into the nature of the actual coverage, I mean, this is something we were talking about this morning in the firm with our hospitality specialists here was do we need to be offering active shooter insurance in every proposal that we put out now? As a recommended coverage or a coverage consideration because, unfortunately, the world we're living in right now, this is happening more and more frequently. And a lot of it, unfortunately, that is that is taking place are taking place at events honestly, or general hospitality-related Establishments. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, they're on crowded blocks of bars and restaurants and people are running into and out of those places yeah. overall. So active shooter coverage is something. Mm-hmm. These policy forms are being written, I tried cyber and EPI. These policy forms and coverage options come out when these things start happening. Yeah. So, okay, do we need is it insurable? Do we need to write and offer coverage for it? And what does it include and what does it exclude? And active shooter is one of those. And there are look, there are companies that are looking at it very, very seriously um, because it, it could hurt – not only could it put you out of business conceivably or close you for a period of time, but from a reputational standpoint, crisis management in there too, which is other types of coverage, those issues come up too after a potential incident. How quickly uh, will the public – feel comfortable coming back.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Okay. So just to summarize those 10 elements, uh, again, the top two that are considered to be the most important from what I researched and you kind of concurred are the uh, commercial and general liability insurance uh, in the workman's comp. And then on top of that, we had talked about business interruption insurance, property and casualty insurance, uh, third party alcohol liability insurance, and uh, employee, sorry, employment Practices, Liability Insurance, HNOA, which stands for what again? Uh, hired and non owned auto.
1: Flood insurance,
0: <laughs> uh, cyber insurance, and active shooter insurance. We also talked about insurance and general contractors, what's going on there. Uh, so those are the 10 elements that you need to consider uh, when putting together your restaurant package. Anything I'm missing?
1: Not necessarily on the missing side of there, but... They're all important, again, when they're important. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, again, it's, you're, it's really, it's impossible to say, well, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know. So I need to ensure this instead of this, or I need to have this limit over here versus this one. So I really would, would also advise talking about program
0: design. Yeah, we're going to get into that. That's the next yeah. element of the conversation. We need to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Did you know the National Restaurant Association states that losses due to fraud at a restaurant run around 4% of sales? That's like an annual marketing budget. Workplace harassment, discrimination, misconduct, theft, and fraud can all have devastating impact on a restaurant's profitability, public image, and result in legal liability. But how do you respond to and mitigate risk if an incident goes unreported internally before it becomes public? Ethics Suite provides a line of communication between you and your staff, allowing you to stay informed and respond to incidents rapidly and privately. With Ethics Suite, your employees can easily report or a suspicious activity or potentially unethical behavior from any device, anywhere, and employees can also submit reports completely anonymously if they so choose. Safeguarding your business starts by listening to your employees. It's that simple. Find out why Ethics Suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for any restaurant in the industry. Head over to EthicSuite.com/restaurantunstoppable. hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at get slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. We're back. And now we're going to talk about program design. So um I guess what we're going to talk about is like, where do you start? Like, when is this time to start thinking about insurance and how, like, what's the, the you know, how do we choose? Like, what's right for us? Like, what's that that whole process look like?
1: Yeah. So I think one, I think you've got the the entrepreneurial aspect of it, the the business plan aspect. When do you start thinking about it? When you're writing your business plan, because it is a significant line item in your budget to consider. So when mm-hmm. you're raising capital or when you're thinking about going into business and you look at all of your costs, don't wait till the very end to think about what your insurance is going to cost in there. Factor that in up front.
0: It's all too often an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And we don't consider how expensive insurance is. I mean, I don't have a percentage, but I mean, it's it's a big chunk of our – monthly revenue or monthly expense is going to be our insurance. So we have to plan for it. We have to build it in to our budget in our business model. Absolutely. Let's say if your biggest expense is
1: committing to opening the restaurant, (laughs) you know, right there and you think about all the money that you pour in to building it, construction, getting everything open. Really the next thing you got to be thinking about is how am I going to protect it Mm -hmm. overall? Mm -hmm. Because tip, you know, we're all in yeah. at at that point.
0: And I think mm-hmm. it's really important to start talking about insurance from the business plan uh the as soon as you start writing the business plan because you need to have this on your checklist before you start going and talking to property owners or lease, leasing a building because like you mentioned earlier when we get really specific about the type of insurance we can maybe you know knowing what we want can really influence where we end up, right? So you have to you have to have that variable worked into the equation before you pull the trigger on a decision on where you're going to end up because Things just might not work well together. Sure.
1: Look, I think people are typically very good at getting a great lawyer, mm-hmm. getting a great attorney, getting a great accountant, getting a great chef. You know, you get all these and and like like the movie, you want your insurance agent or your risk manager to be inside that circle of yeah. trust as well. So get to that person
0: early. Yeah to talk about all of these things. The example you mentioned earlier, I mean, uh, with that first insurance, the, uh, was it the, uh, I'm so bad on the liability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the first one we mentioned, it's written up here, commercial and general liability insurance. Mm -hmm. That's something that you should be figured out before you ever sign the lease. So that gives you an idea of when you should be talking to a broker. They should be looking at your lease before you sign it. Well, you'll probably be dealing with a real estate
1: broker also, if you're looking for locations and as you're starting to look for locations there are things that that come up from that too. Okay, where is it? What is the age of the building overall? Um, is it in a flood? Is it in a flood zone? How far away is it from a fire stage? Some of these things that are not as applicable today, but you start looking at the demographics and you start looking at the building and the facilities and everything, and those things play a part in what the overall insurance costs are going to be. So if you look at it from a risk management standpoint because insurance is the actual product, but if you look at it from a risk management standpoint, it is all these decisions that I'm making or these things that I want to do have impact on what my insurance costs are going to be. Mm -hmm. How am I going to, again, structure that to get what I need to have and make it affordable because there's a finite amount of of money yeah. that,
0: that can go towards this. exactly and when we were talking earlier that that underwriting process when you're when you're building your training manuals and all of your operational procedures and pr- protocols and all this stuff having certain things in place before you go to get your insurance can drastically impact the rate you get so being proactive when you have the downtime before you open the doors to make sure you're working these things into your into your handbook to you know to, to bring your rate down, or, that's the time to do it, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we know nobody in this business has downtime, right? <laughs> yeah, <but I> mean, <laughs> so what they do, I mean, ideally what you should do there is, again, you need to be relying on somebody that can help you with this. Mm-hmm. And, and you're doing it in all areas of, of, of your business. And this is just another area where you can really find great help and mm-hmm. somebody to work with to help you because your downtime is limited. And you can focus on what you really want to focus on, which is owning and operating the best restaurant you possibly can and serving your customers and making them happy and come back and really not fully delegate, okay, but empower and trust somebody to help you be covered properly and help answer these questions.
0: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about when to start thinking about the insurance process, and that's at day one, you know, when you're going through the business plan. What about how to prioritize which? Elements of insurance are right for you. How do you go through that process?
1: Another great question. And if you ask my, my preference, my preference would be rather than say I can carry this or that, if, you, if we've all agreed that they're important in a way and that these are applicable here, rather than this or that, perhaps the conversation should be around how, can I, how much risk can I retain? I need to cover these these exposures that we have and I don't want to not purchase let's say the make a choice between the workers comp and the EPLI or the the auto you know versus the versus the comp whatever it may be so okay how can we potentially structure the program so that I can afford what I know that I need and that comes down to maybe deductible structure or with a self-insured retention or deductibles you
0: can like wiggle a little bit here wiggle a little bit there to make sure you're covering everything maybe not the 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 extreme that you'd like to be covering it but something's better than nothing
1: correct or by retaining a little bit more risk saying look okay it would sting if i had to pay ten thousand dollars but it wouldn't put me out of business Mm -hmm. but five hundred thousand would put me out of business yeah. So, maybe I set my deductible structures higher, 10,000, whatever the numbers may be, to reduce my premium costs overall by retaining more risk, allowing me to purchase what I need to buy yeah. overall so that I have that $1 million dollar limit, that half a million dollar limit, that $2 million dollar limit, rather than ignore it, okay, or self-insure it as they like to say. Yeah. Okay, in there. And yes, in the event that a claim does occur or an incident occurs, yep, I'm out of pocket up to that deductible, and then my insurance will kick in, and yes, that stings, and yes, that sucks, but not as badly as if I had an uncovered loss which could put me out of
0: business. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why, I'm getting a little bit off topic now, the, the, this is one of the reasons why I love the Profit First Money Management System. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it essentially states, take your profit first. So traditionally we think... You know, it's your revenue minus your expenses equals your profit. But this says, you know, it's your revenue minus your profit equals your expenses. Mm-hmm. So you want to pay yourself so you can take care of yourself, your family, and your own your own uh, liabilities, and then you take care of the business after. Uh, but when you take that business or that money management approach, approach once you start taking care of all the most important things in your business and you start getting excess as your business starts to scale and get you get more revenue, um, you can look and say, okay, well, wh- where can we allocate? Like, What's hurting right now? And if, if you look at your insurance plan and if it's not quite what you want it to be, but you got an extra $10,000 to spend this year or whatever, this, this quarter, you know that you can take a look at your insurance and go, okay, we need to tweak these elements that we just kind of settled on this aspect of it because we couldn't quite afford what, what we wanted to. But now... No, we can throw this extra revenue at these 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 issues, but having that, that money management system in place to then know what you have, what's been covered, and where you can allocate the new funds is really important, especially when it comes to insurance.
1: Absolutely. And now and there is a wide range between the single location restaurant and the large chains or larger restaurant groups. On the single you know, on the single location, a little bit, you're more on the commodity basis, may not have as much flexibility in the policy forms and the coverages and certain things. But also, as you grow and as you scale, and you're going maybe from call it one location to five locations, from five to ten locations, as you grow and as you scale. These programs and your options also expand, you have greater opportunity to customize and design based upon what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Now I've got a different cash flow situation. I can allocate resources differently. I can design a program differently. So, also working with somebody that can grow with you is extremely helpful. Okay. Yeah. They can help paint that picture of we can't do this maybe today. We should do this, 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 and this today. Mm-hmm. You go do do your thing, okay? And we know where we're going together, and these are the things that we're going to adjust when we get 120 days outside of renewal this year to next
0: year. Yeah, and you just triggered something that I, I came across in my research for this conversation, and I think that was, it was around employees' compensation insurance, employees' comp insurance. Uh, on workers' comp? Workers' yeah. comp, yeah, insurance, because that – is directly proportionate to the amount of employees you have. So if you're scaling quickly, they say that that's one insurance that you should reflect on quarterly if that's, if you're at a, a fast, cause it, you know, you scale in six months, you might open two restaurants and you double your workforce. You might not be covered. So you would, Typically, so here's how this works, and there's a couple areas here because now you brought brought up
1: something that, that raises <laughs> another, no, that raises another really good point. So your workers' compensation insurance is going to be based upon your overall payroll, mm-hmm. and and your employees are going to be classified based upon what their jobs are, what their roles are. So somebody that is cooking in the back and sharp knives and flames has a class code versus somebody that may be working in the front of the house who has a less risky less risky job there. Yeah. So you've got overall payroll and you've got classification to set your workers' compensation program. And then you're basically judged on how safely you're running. They call that your experience modifier. If you've got – you get a number for that. It's kind of like a grade overall. And the better your loss ratio is, the more safer you're running, The ideally the lower your rates are going to be. But what happens is when you're talking about this is as you're growing, you're adding people, you're adding payroll um, – you you will get in a lot of these policies, and it's not just workers' comp, the policies are auditable. And this is something for operators to really look out for. They get a price at the beginning and then they get whacked with an audit yeah. at the end. Right? And say, oh, no, 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 no. What you thought you bought in the premium for this is now this because your sales went up. Yeah. Around, and your payroll went up and all these. So we agreed to insure you mm-hmm. to these numbers. But we agreed to do it based upon you giving us accurate information. So you really got to look out for that because, again, it's kind of – I want to say garbage in, garbage out. But the numbers that you give to the insurance companies, mm-hmm, they're going to charge you and rate you for that. And if those numbers obviously are fluctuating, working in conjunction with them or at least understanding what, it, what an audible policy means – and what you may be subject to in terms of additional premium mode, you've got to be cognizant of that. Yeah, You've
0: got to really be mindful of of whether or not you're being transparent with your numbers because it could come back to bite you. You, th- you might think you're saving money now, but if it's unreal, if, it, if you get audited and it's not accurate, you, you might be. So the policies are and auditable
1: forth. and more often than not, unfortunately, it is not on the owner operator of the restaurant to know this. The onus is on me. The onus is on the agent mm-hmm. to be explaining how these policies work to the client, yep. not just get you in on a low price premium where you think this is the winning, the winning quote, if you will. So you go with it because it's cheaper. And then on month 13, the month after it expires and you've renewed and done something else, you get this bill that is totally unexpected, and you're surprised.
0: Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I can think of when it comes to uh, thinking about what insurance to get when uh, is talking to other tours in your community. Because there might be some really unique situations in wh- wherever your community is. Don't look at other restaurant tours as competition. Look at them as community. Look at them as people, mentors, people you can go to. And, you know, not everybody's going to be okay with that. Some people you might approach, and they might look at you and laugh and tell you to get the hell out of their restaurant. And that's, you know, that's their loss that they're not being a part of something greater. Don't let that stop you from going out there and talking to people and finding out what they recommend for their specific community. There's a lot of people that are willing to help other restaurateurs because they know. They've been there. It's tough. Look, I think, I think it's in every area of business. And there are a
1: lot of ancillary businesses that serve our industry. that serve, And it's all about giving and it's all about serving and it's all about a free exchange i think of information and experiences because there's room for everybody to be successful and the better job we're all doing of lifting up the community and working through these things and improving safety improving loss control driving down overall cost of risk um, and it, that's that's great for that's great for everybody so for me at least personally i love getting those calls
0: mm.
1: uh, and working with people and talking to them about about all of these things because I think it's just a really supportive, genuine community. And it could be anything from where you're getting your produce from to who's helping you with your risk management program. I mean, it all, it all works together.
0: So the last thing we have to discuss, we haven't quite gotten there yet is what to consider when looking for a broker. And I'll be the first person to say, I'll I'll set this cover, this part of the conversation up by saying, don't go to your friend's friend's broker. Like you really want a specialist when it comes to restaurant insurance. So I set you up. What else should we know when selecting our uh, our, our restaurant insurance broker? Look,
1: if your friend's friend's brother's broker, or whatever <laughs> happens to be terrific, great. Um, or you have a family obligation. You see this too to utilize somebody that's in the business and they may not be the expert in the field. Here is the thing: you can do you can still use them and place them, but you may want to go get an advisor also patient. to help you yeah. and help that person place the business properly. Uh, there is. There's two ways really to do this. Um, the most common and most frequent thing you hear is, I need a quote. Quote and insurance overall. And the owner, the operator, somebody who is tasked with this just either Googles in- restaurant insurance mm-hmm, or maybe gets recommended to somebody. And they they try to get, this is what I'm doing. And they get multiple quotes and they don't know who to believe. They just get flooded with paperwork and information, and they don't know who to believe, and they may be buying on price um, versus coverage and not really under, understand. That's The other way to do it is what they call really more of a broker selection process, which is try to find two, three, four probably recommended brokers, experts in the field, and interview them just like you would a chef, just like you would an attorney, an accountant, any trusted advisor, and go interview them and spend a little time with them. Do what I just did today. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, yes, thank you. And go interview them. Ask them a bunch of questions um, and ask them. If you don't even know the questions, ask them. What they would do, Mm -hmm. what they recommend, how they would work on your behalf and what their process would be, and who do they work with? How many claims have they been involved with and settled in which categories of business in which areas? Really, what have they done? If we're getting, we're all getting compensated, quite frankly, the same. What are you doing to actually earn it overall? Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to place the coverage. It's another thing to service the coverage. And serve the client throughout the rest of the year. And that gets into a lot of those areas of resources that we talked about, safety, loss control, claim support, liquor liability, can you help train, okay? handbooks, risk management center stuff. I mean, it can, get, it can get really deep in there. So those are the two ways to do it. My recommendation would be broker selection process versus quoting in there, uh, and that, those are the things, that's kind of the criteria that I would look for.
0: So any specific things, if we're going through the, this brokerage, brokerage selection process, uh, any key titles or experiences that would stand out that we want to look for that they have on their resume?
1: Mm-hmm. So a couple of things there, too. Another great question. One, there is a difference between independent agents and what they call captive agents or direct. So a lot of the companies you see on TV, your state farms, your farmers in there, those agents can only sell that product. They're captive to that company. So it may be the very best thing that they have to offer you, Eric, but it still may not be the best thing that's available in the marketplace for you. But that's that's what they have. An independent agent, of which I'm on the independent side, represents the client and is not contracted exclusively to any one insurance company. are
0: cuffed, you know? Correct. So
1: we're going out to the marketplace to look for the best products and look for the best coverage, mix and match those quite often also, to design the best program for you. And to put a little delta on that too, not all independent agents are created equal also.
0: So what so, elements would we look, be looking for underneath that independent title?
1: So you would want to know which markets that agent has access to. Who can they get to also? Because you can be an independent agent and have one or two contracts. You can be an independent agent and have 100. Mm-hmm. So look at the kind of the resources that that agency has, who they're contracted with, which markets they would go to. For- and they're pretty
0: public about that stuff. Like if you want to see who they're working with, you can find out who their clients are.
1: They should be. So yeah. here's the other thing. Uh, and this is, again, we'll get a little deep. But the law states that only one agent can go to any one market at a time. And that's to deter favoritism, special treatment, so on and so forth. So there are thousands of agents out there that have a contract with Hartford, with Travelers, with a lot of these companies that you may have heard of before, but only one of us who really can get a quote from them at a time. Mm -hmm. So you can't get a bunch of agents just stepping on each other's toes out there in the marketplace. So it gets back to how you actually choose who you want to represent you in negotiations.
0: Okay. Anything we have not discussed up to this point?
1: Yeah, there's one thing I do want to talk about for just, for just a second. Um, and it relates to employee benefits in the industry overall. Um, we're talking about health coverage you know, here, not work-related injury and workers' comp, but we're talking about health care coverage and benefits. And I've seen this a number of times over the years where an employee or staff member of a restaurant will get sick. In there, and this is and this is a great thing too. The restaurant or the community will come together to throw a fundraiser to support that person, raise money for their medical expenses, so on and so forth, and really try to help them out. And I love it; it's heartwarming. It's it's terrific, and we want to support that in every case we possibly can. A lot of these times, the restaurants do not carry employee benefits, so they don't believe they can afford to. In a way. Uh, And it's something I'm really passionate about, health, wellness, benefits, living healthy lifestyles, taking care of each other, being healthy overall. But yes, people get sick. And I really do wish people in the community that own and operate that want to take care of their people, the same kinds of people that would do these fundraisers for them, reach out, talk to us about the possibilities and structure of employee benefits programs and find out what is available, what could be offered not just even out of your own pocket or how deep you can go, but coming together even with your employees and just being able to possibly structure and offer things. You never know until you ask. Mm. So it's just one thing.
0: Don't close that- the door before you know. You learn more. Until you took a peek in to see what what you can do
1: it may it may very well be possible your Mm -hmm. employees may be much more interested in responsive and contributing or helping than you ever thought they would have there may be a palatable way to actually do this Uh, so it's just one thing as i see those types of again and they're amazing fundraisers come up um, have a conversation about it if you really want to take care of your employees and you're not really sure whether you can or you can offer that stuff let's talk about it you may not be able to at the time but there may be more available to you than you thought possible.
0: Awesome. Greg, I've loved this conversation. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator or maybe somebody who is just a rock star that I need to, to, to talk to? Who do you have in your mind?
1: Oh, man, just one. Okay. You can um, call it two. Yeah, so we're, we're, <laughs> I may just throw a few out. I think there's some people that are doing some great, great things in town um, right now. And I'll tell you the ones that are clients and I'll tell you the ones that aren't because I want to just forget. But – uh the guys at Clark Cooper concepts with Brasserie Nineteen, the Dunwavy, Punks, Copa, uh, Grant Cooper doing amazing stuff in town. Um, several that you've already had on, so I won't go go back into there. I think Ben Berg is doing some great stuff with B.B. Lemon, B.B. Italia. Uh, I'm a huge fan of of Russell Ibarra and Jonathan Cameron, those guys at Gringo's and Jimmy Chongas. I just think they are and really, very open, very transparent, very philanthropic, run great places. I mean, so there's there's just a few. I mean, that's we can awesome. go on.
0: Thank you. I'm look out, guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of questions after today's interview. So if we have any questions, uh, if we want to maybe recruit you as a broker, what's the best way to connect?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions on this at all. Uh, the best way: email me at g. Scheinman, that's s c h e i n m a n at insgroup.com insgroup.net. You can find us at insgroup.net. And that'll link to me also at our website there. Uh, Just give me a call.
0: And this is episode 641. So head over to unstoppable.com slash 641, and I'll link to uh, any tools, services recommended in the show. And I should mention before we say goodbye that I did my research for today's conversation by going over to restaurantowner.com. Uh, they have they have articles written on this, and they have resources for this topic of restaurant insurance. Uh, so if you want to educate yourself more just on what terms to use or what, to get a big picture of what it looks like, that's another great place to go just to educate yourself. So I'll link to restaurantowner.com. In the show notes, and uh, any last words before we say goodbye?
1: I thought this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe X, episode six forty one. That's I got a lot more listening Tru- to do. Trucking <laughs> along, man.
0: Uh, well, you were great. Thank you so much for educating us on this topic of insurance. Uh, there is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers.